0: Hi, this week's podcast uh, comes to you with a slightly different person in the hot seat. Aya Parry is the network director for our community, the Decarbonization Leaders Network. And in this week's episode, we're taking a conversation that she had recently with one of our founding members, Chem Gercek from CarMuse in Canada, a lime producer with a clear roadmap for decarbonization. Hope you'll enjoy it.
1: I'm very excited today to, to be talking to Cem Gercek. Uh, our member, uh, regional operations manager in North America and decarbonization leader with CARMUSE. Hello, Jim.
0: Hi, thanks for the opportunity.
1: And a little bit about CARMUSE. CARMUSE is a global lime manufacturer, um, steel and mining company with production facilities in Europe, North America, and Africa. CARMUSE is leading manufacturer of lime, which is used in a variety of industrial construction, soil improvement applications, and Solutions that uh, CarMuse provide, they span across a wide range of industries, including steel, uh, power, road construction, site development, building materials, water, wastewater, agriculture, and more. The headquarters are in Belgium. The group has approximately 4,500 employees and 8,500 Customers um, annually through a global network of 80 plants and 50 limestone quarries. So yes, a really uh, a global a global player. And Jim, to get us started, perhaps you can give us a brief introduction of what um, about CarMuse and also what is you and your team are focused
0: on. I think it's worth uh, giving you a bit of background and perspective first on uh, you know why we focus on decarbonization to begin with. It is really part of our sustainability focus. So Sustainability to us has been, has been part of our DNA, what we call it, and it's, we really reinforce its importance continuously. You know, day-to-day or, or long-term, we make all our decisions in line with our values and uh, really in alignment with the, uh, what we call the three pillars of sustainability. Those are uh, people, uh, planet, and prosperity. Uh, our management team really strongly believes that uh, decarbonization is an integral part of uh, being sustainable. And uh, and CO two challenge, so we, we we coined this this term for the decarbonization efforts in the, in uh, globally, is our priority as a company. Uh, for a long time, uh, we have actively engaged in uh, pursuing technologies and practices that will reduce our uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, in two thousand and nine, that's when we uh, kicked this off. Was uh, we completed a detailed analysis of our greenhouse gas footprints, and uh, that was our starting point or we're, that's what we're using as a baseline as we build our uh, roadmap to uh, get to net zero by 2050.
1: And when we talk about the lime industry in general if you can sure. tell us briefly where does co2 come from
0: uh, absolutely lime, lime industry is, uh, is a bit of unique in that sense because uh, there's two two main sources of uh, co2 in our industry one is uh, is co2 from combustion because we have to generate heat. Uh, for the calcination reaction, because we convert calcium carbonate into calcium oxide, um, for that we need a lot of heat. Uh, that's one source of CO2. The other one is uh, what we call the process CO2. Uh, that is the CO2 uh, driven from calcium carbonate, uh, and a major part of our CO2 emissions are process driven, uh, which makes it a, a big challenge for us. Uh, you know, we could do a lot uh, with our with our uh, combustion emissions. In terms of efficiency or different fuels, but the process emissions, uh, there's not much to be done there.
1: Yeah, uh, very challenging. And uh, so, when um, we talk about roadmap uh, for mm-hmm. decarbonization for carbon use, what are some key points?
0: So, you know, I talked about the process emissions. I think that's uh, you know similar to cement. That's uh, you know that's a, that's a big challenge for us. So we're also focusing on combustion emissions as a first priority. Uh, because, uh, you know, there's technology available now to, to mitigate that. So, you know, that's, that's why that's our first priority. That is, uh, utilizing biomass and or alternative fuels instead of using traditional fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also looking at, uh, working on, uh, process efficiency, efficiency improvements. There's a lot to be said there, but that's, you know, that's one main, I guess, area. Uh, and modernizing our equipment is is another one. Uh, you know, we still have rather older sites, older kilns uh, in use. Uh, so you know, modernizing the the existing equipment and technology, and uh, we're also developing our own technologies uh, mm-hmm. as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are heavily focused on uh, process emissions. Um, that that is more long term for us, but uh, we're we're developing means to reduce reduce our process emissions also. Uh, we have a heavy focus on ccus as well
1: so um you are the carbonization leader jam um so in your view which things are important to have in mind when developing implementing the carbonization strategy in terms of internal acceptance alliances and operations
0: great question um i think i think that's a challenge for for a lot of companies as i mentioned earlier Sustainability is part of our DNA in Carmoose for a long time and our, our corporate vision is contributing to a better world uh, so reducing our CO2 footprint really fits well into that vision um, mm-hmm. but really I think it's essential for executive our executive or any executive management or companies to to grasp the importance of the for sure and uh, and make it a priority for the company um, you know. We believe in the importance of ESG factors in business and decision-making. But on the other hand, uh, really corporate vision needs to needs a buy-in and uh, needs to be embraced by all the employees from uh, day-to-day operation all the way from the operators at the plants all the way to the plant managers, uh, other functions as well as executives. So um, in our case, we do have a solid success story over reducing our uh, recordable injury rates across the company over the last... Few years uh, where we, you know, had everyone else involved in the company, and uh, that's a great success. So we're really modeling the the decarbonization initiative uh, based on that. So you know, strong focus and and leadership engagement by management and uh, as well as the rest of the team.
1: Yes, yes, those are very important things. And then let's talk about your roadmap for decarbonization. What are some key points?
0: Yeah, for, for sure. The the way uh, since we kicked it off, so the way we essentially set it up is uh, is a roadmap. So it consists of five pillars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first pillar is replacing fossil fuels with biomass, um, and alternative fuels. Um, the second one is what we call energy efficiency. So this is how can we consume less uh, less fuel? So kilns are more efficient to begin with. And asset modernization is the third pillar that is, again, Replacing the old assets with, uh, with newer assets, uh, circular model, and uh, CO2 neutral production. So the first three are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, our focus with respect to the circular economy is uh, really finding opportunities to lower the CO2 footprint of our products uh, with alternative raw materials, but also help our customers uh, reduce their footprints, CO2 footprints as well. Uh, and the last pillar. Uh, I think this is, you know, I'm really proud of this one because uh, it it's really speaks to the CO2-neutral production. For a lime company, it sounds, you know, outside this world, but uh, we are actively working on developing new kilns with focus on CCUS. Um, so we do have a technology arm tech for lime. It is It's part of Carmoose. So we do have a lot of R&D engineers actually working on developing methods, uh, not only for carbon, carbon capture, but also utilization as well.
1: Very interesting, and also one of the pillars you mentioned alternative fuels. So when we talk about biomass, what are some challenges there, and what's the potential of one hundred percent biomass kiln? What's the next step?
0: A uh, couple of challenges. One is one is availability. So right now, uh, biomass is somehow available, but as the I can speak for Canada, especially or or US, moving forward, as the carbon tax uh, mm-hmm. increases. Uh, demand for for alternative fuels will increase for sure so I think the supply will be an issue um, mm-hmm. the other one is consi- consistency so consistent sourcing or good quality biomass is, is expensive uh, so it is it is just as important to 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 I guess develop technologies to to com- combust whatever is available uh, because you know alternative fuels or biomass will never be perfect fuel like like natural gas um so those are those are two big ones, but moving forward though um you know for I can speak for lime industry you know cement is like guess somehow similar um uh, you know we could replace a portion of alternative portion of fossil fuels with alternative fuels, but moving forward I think the the future will have to be about gasification paralysis where where anything else could be burned. And, uh, and create some other value streams
1: yes yes a lot of work in front of us and mm-hmm. um, so i have to ask you this question as the world is coming out of pandemic we learned that the global co2 levels have uh, decreased is mm-hmm. that the case for your industry as well and is that something that we can build on
0: yes it is the case but that's uh, that's more of a functional demand for lime there's a lot of shutdowns of car industry which impacted the steel industry, so there was a, there was softening. I think there was, there was decrease because of that. But I think you know, what pandemic taught us was uh, how to do more with less, and that applies to our process optimization as well. So I think I can tell that that's something we learned, and I imagine a lot of companies uh, will feel the same because uh, moving forward, I I feel that the energy intensity will be lower uh, for the industries. I, I have to say though, you know, we have not one Issue with uh, COVID was well, just focus on CO two, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, a, it's not. It may not sound like the the core business, but really, I can say at least I can speak for my company that we have not lost focus on that, and we kept up. So this is, I guess, this is very telling for us that uh, how important decarbonization is for yeah, us.
1: No, of course, of course. And I know you are based in Canada, and mm-hmm. um, so just wanted to ask you what interesting initiatives and projects can we observe in North America
0: for sure we do have so part of the, part of our five pillar strategy we do have a few projects lined up for uh for the first three pillars um so we already started uh, uh combusting some alternative fuels some biomass in one of our plants and we have plans to uh, to install equipment for the other two two plants in uh canada mm-hmm. uh, and and us will will follow for sure uh, but also on the efficiency improvement there's a lot could be done that doesn't cost you know, in terms of optimization, uh, quality control, process optimization. So th- there's a few things going on there. And as a modernization, we do have some uh, large projects lined up in our portfolio to uh, to modernize some of the old pieces of equipment.
1: Um, I have only a couple of questions left, Gem. And one of them is about policy because members talk a lot about regulation and policies. What are some main policy issues that, um, you know, are affecting the pathway uh, to net zero for your company.
0: So my company is spread across uh, Europe, North America, and uh, and and of course, far East Asia as well. But mostly, you know, in Europe, we are already ahead in terms of because you know, CO2 is nothing new in Europe. In Canada, you know, as you know, Ontario has implemented a, a regulatory scheme. This is, mm-hmm. probably, I mean, nothing new but uh, it put a price on carbon emissions. We don't, have any, we don't have such regulations in place in the U.S., but we expect it will become reality, and, yeah. uh, especially after the elections. Right? To, uh, to add to that, though, you know, one, one thing I can, I can make this comment that you know, to add to that, I, I have to say that uh, there was a lot of regulatory uncertainty in Ontario with carbon pricing. When it was first implemented, it was provincial, turned to federal, which was a very different system the way it's taxed or, or calculated. Now we're back to a provincial system. It makes it really difficult for us to develop a strategy mm-hmm. and uh, satisfy the policy objectives. It was so different that that uh, even the formula was different. How the tax was calculated. So it is. Yeah. Uh, it makes it makes it difficult uh, to make business decisions. Hopefully, hopefully, US will be uh, will be ahead uh, as they get to this point.
1: And the other question I wanted to ask you it's about technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, when you make decisions which technology to go for, what is the main criteria for you? What are you focusing on that helps you to make those decisions?
0: So availability is one. Um, mm-hmm. I think a good example is biomass. So if you look at our investments, current investments in biomass, mm-hmm. it's more off-the-shelf technologies or or the technologies we developed ourselves. So availability is one, but you know, in terms of uh, availability, we, our our timeline is more like 2030. So from here till 2030, we do have projects lined up that we know the technology is available. After that point, though, uh, we have some projects that, in the in the scope at this point, uh, the technology is not available yet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of room for CCUS uh, that needs to be needs to be developed, right? That, that's, that's that's how we look at it. Probably availability, feasibility. We, we don't we don't just look at the uh, it's not just simple NPV math, uh, because you know it's it's just a strategic decision, as well as uh, as well as CO two tax as well. So there's a few few things to be uh, uh, to be looked at there.
1: Jim, what would be your final advice or wishes or expectations for DLM for our network?
0: Uh, well first of all uh, really excited to be part of it uh, i'm also on the uh, on the founders council so yes. it is uh, it is a is a rather young organization but mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's a big need for sure there's a lot of, there's a lot of initiatives in terms of uh, co2 reduction on the mining industry i'm familiar with that more on the uh, you know utilizing on the electricity but for industries like you know lime cement steel glass paper uh, you know, we, we are we a are perfect definition of hard debate industry. So we're in the business, so essentially mm-hmm. producing CO2, right? So uh, I think DL, DLN is going to come very handy, bringing us together. The other one is I think worth mentioning is also what DLN is going to add value is uh, uh, maybe help us get some help from the, uh, or explain our case to the governments as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, I think we'll get there without regulations. And the last piece is is financing. Uh, so it is, it is important to have people who are in financing to be part of the DLN DL as well, which, which, which there's a few members. So we're mm-hmm. very, very excited about it
1: this is very valuable jam thank you so much um and for dln members Chem gejic is a founding council counselor of dln and is helping us and advising us on how to grow and how to develop the network so it brings value to all the members thank you very much jam and i look forward to seeing you um later next week at the festival thank you
0: yeah, very much looking forward to it. thanks so much Aya.